So Pastor Mike is being a little bit humble, I think, there with the numbers. I think I saw this morning it was 50,000 plus people in Washington, D.C. praying for our nation. How awesome is that, church? God is still moving in our nation. So a little bit about me. My name is Caleb, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm really excited to share what God's placed in my heart with you. Uh, This is something that God's been speaking to me about for a long time, uh, and there's no better time than right now for the message of God. Uh, But before I do, first of all, I want to say welcome to any visitors. We're happy to have you here. Uh, And I also want to say thank you. Uh, First, Pastor Mike and Rhonda, like you you just saw, they're in Washington, D.C. But Pastor Mike and Rhonda, they took a step of faith. Uh, They took a step of obedience uh, when they started this church. And I'm so thankful they did because my life has been affected because of it. Uh, You can see the, the flags that we have draped around the sanctuary here. These are all nations that we've been to, that we've poured into, that we support um, through our our missions fund, uh, and we've been able to affect the nations through this church, and that's such an awesome opportunity to be a part of. Uh, The second group I'd like to say thank you to really quickly uh, is actually you, church. Uh, I'm a 22-year-old young man, uh, but I was raised up in this church. Uh, My parents, we've been members of this church as long as I can remember, and there's so many people that I can point out who have had an effect on my life. My life is a testimony to the goodness of God in this church, and I'm so thankful that we are men and women in this church who have refused time and time again to compromise on our faith. Come on, church, that is powerful. I'm crying a little bit, but I'm not gonna gonna break here. But church, I also wanna point out something here that I really feel in my spirit um, that you need to hear this morning. Uh, if you think that your actions between you know, Monday and Saturday don't matter, or if you leave quick enough after church, nobody notices you, or maybe you're not involved in the youth ministry or the kids' ministry and your actions don't matter, um, I want to come against that. That's not the truth. And I can tell you that from my own personal experience, because there's people in this room that weren't involved in the youth ministry, they weren't involved in the children's ministry, but I was watching them, and I watched their actions, and their actions pulled me closer to God. And that's what I want us to be as a church. I believe that's what Pastor Mike wants us to be as a church, is people who pull people closer to God. Um, In fact, this morning I was reading through 2 Corinthians, uh, and there's a section in 2 Corinthians. uh, It says, if it seems that we are crazy, it's to bring the glory to God. And church, let's be a church that seems crazy, but we're glorifying God every step of the way. Amen? Come on. All right, so uh, with that, I'm going to get into the message, but before, let's pray and just invite God into the service. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for men and women who have refused time and time again to compromise and who have always followed you, Father God, wholeheartedly. I pray that you would make the hearts this morning of your church tender, Father, that you would give to everybody else, everybody what they need, Father, that you would uh, humble me, God, and you would use me as a vessel, that you would speak through me, God, to your people uh, and give them what they need. I pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus and the people of God said, amen, amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 1 Kings 19 or pull it up on your phone. Uh, I've titled this message, The Cave. Uh, So 1 Kings chapter 19, but before we get into the 1 Kings 19, I want to give you guys a little bit of a history uh, lesson so that we get caught up on what's going on here. 
So this story is about a man, his name was Elijah, a pretty famous prophet in the Old Testament. Uh, and this is, he's actually one of the few people in scripture that we don't have any record as to how he died, which is kind of cool. Uh, the Bible says that when it was his time to go, uh, God actually took him in a chariot fire. So that's really cool. Um, and during this portion of his life, there's this evil king and this evil queen, uh, and they're ruling in Israel, okay? And they've hunted down every single one of God's prophets and put them to death except for Elijah. In fact, scripture says that Elijah believed that he was the only one who was left in Israel. So Elijah finds this out. He sends a message to this evil king and queen. Uh, and he says, you know what? I know you're hunting people down. I know I'm the only one left, uh, but you serve idols and I'm gonna prove it. So what I want you to do is I want you to send me 400 of these prophets from this specific idol and 450 of the prophets from this other idol. And we're gonna put our gods to the test. So uh, this evil king, queen agree. They send the 850 of these evil prophets. And Elijah says, here's the deal. We're gonna make sacrifices to our respected gods. And the challenge is if your God is real, your God's gonna light the fire on your sacrifice. Pretty simple. So they do this, and Elijah was a gentleman, so he goes, you know what, you evil prophets, you can go first. So they pray, they do their rituals, nothing happens, right? And Elijah, you know, the first hour, he was probably quiet, uh, but he got bored, he ends up making fun of them, he says, hey, you know what, maybe you need to pray a little bit louder, maybe you need to pray a little bit longer, um, your God is a God, after all, maybe he's not listening. Um, Elijah was a mature man of God, and uh, potty humor was not below him, so he said, hey, maybe your God's on the toilet. I'll give him a little bit, right? And finally, Elijah gets sick of it after waiting so long, and he says, you know what? It's my turn, and before I go, though, I want you to douse my sacrifice in water, which is the opposite of what you want to do if you, you're trying to start a fire, right? but they do it nonetheless. Elijah prays and God does this miraculous miracle and he lights the sacrifice on fire. And it's incredible. Um, Elijah rejoices, has these evil prophets put to death. And then scripture says, by the power of the spirit, he runs this evil king and queen, expecting that their hearts will have been turned, that their hearts will have been softened, which is a totally reasonable expectation at this point. I mean, Elijah's done everything right up to this point. God has pulled through. If there was a time for Israel and this king and queen to repent, the time would have been right now right? But he gets there, and the message he receives instead is, we've killed every single one of the prophets except for you, and now we're coming for you with a vengeance. And in this news, Elijah flees. And that's where we're going to pick up in 1 Kings chapter 19. So we've just seen this powerful man of God go from probably the best moment of his life here to now we're seeing him in his worst, right? So if you have your Bibles open, 1 Kings 19, we're going to start in verse 9. And I have certain pieces here on our PowerPoint. So it says this, There he came to a cave where he spent the night. And the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, uh, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel, they've broken their covenant with you, they've torn down your altars, they've killed every one of your prophets except for me. In fact, I'm the only one who's left living, and now they're trying to kill me as well. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, 
and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. In fact, it was such a terrible blast that rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a terrible fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak, and he went out, standing at the entrance of the cave, when a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? And we're going to pause there for a moment, because there's a few things that are really important that I don't want to skip past here, that we can learn during this portion of Elijah's life. So we see uh, these three big storms, right? We see the wind, the earthquake, and the fire that come. And the Bible says that God wasn't in those, right? God wasn't in the storms. That doesn't mean there wasn't a purpose to the storm, though. Amen? See, the storms that Elijah was facing, they took his eyes off of the situation that he was in, and they put his eyes onto the one who's above the situation, church. And church, some of you are here this morning, and you've been focusing on your situation. Some of you are wondering, uh, how am I going to financially pull through whatever I'm going through? How is my marriage going to last? Have you seen the state of our country? How are we going to pull through this? And church, God is here this morning, and he's saying, stop focusing on the situation and start looking at me, because I'm in control. I've got this. I'm good. I'm not off my throne because of you know, some virus or whatever. I'm still in control, and I'm standing strong, and I'm on your side. Amen, church? And there was an order that happened. There was the storm. There was a tension refocus on Elijah's part. And then he heard the voice of God. Okay? And the still small voice had a purpose as well. The still small voice drew Elijah's, oh, I missed one, drew Elijah's attention to the nature of God. I'm going to repeat that. The storm revealed the power of God. Well, the still, small voice, the whisper revealed the nature of God. Church, our God is a mighty God. He's a powerful God. He's on your side. He's fighting for you. But he's also a close God. When our God speaks, he's not out in the foyer yelling at you, hoping that you hear him by some chance. He's right next to you, and he speaks in a whisper. He's the same God who's powerful enough to hold the world in his hands, but he's also gentle enough and he cares enough to wipe the tears off of your face, church. Amen? Our God is always with you. You're never alone. He's fighting for you. Scripture says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. And there's three things in this scripture that we learn about God. Number one, he's more powerful than the storm that you're facing. Number two, he's always speaking. The question is never uh, if God is speaking to you. The question is always, are you listening? God speaks through his word. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through his church. Through community, he speaks through other believers. And the question is, are you involved? Are you getting into his word? Are you uh, seeking him? Because that's how he speaks. The third thing that we uh, learn about God, we have to look to 1 Kings Uh, 19 again, but this time we're jumping down to 18. So it says this. It says, uh, I have preserved 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal, this idol, or kissed him. And here's the third thing we learn. God will always preserve his church. Always. Church, Elijah thought he was the only one in this fight. 
He said, hey, God, they killed everyone except for me, and now they're coming for me. And God said, hmm, that's not true. I've got $7,000 you don't know about. God, I feel like I'm the only one in this nation that's serving you. Hmm, I got $50,000 that are praying right now in Washington, D.C. for a move of God, church. Hmm, I feel like I'm the only one in my family. You don't know. Chances are you're not. And church, you know what? Let's say you are. That means the harvest is going to be, the harvest is ready, church. Amen? You might feel like you're the only one, but God will preserve his church. Because the church is the closest thing that we have to heaven while here on earth. You want to know what heaven's like? You want a little preview? Come to church. There you go. That's a preview of what heaven's going to be like. God is not done with his church. He's not going to surrender his church. He's still in control of his church. Amen? And Jesus paid too high of a cost for his church to abandon it so easily. Amen? And right now, in this moment of history, is the time for the church to stand strong on the gospel, to stand strong on the truth of Jesus. Right now is the time. In fact, I would dare to say that this is the most important time in all of history where the church needs to be confident in the God that they serve. Because we live in a world that desperately needs to know that there's a God out there that loves them, that there's hope for their future, that there's hope for their lives, that there's a hope for the generation that they are in, that there's hope for their family. And church, when Elijah was in the cave, he had no opportunity to share this message with them. He had no opportunity to do good. When you're in the comfort of your, your spiritual cave, you've got no opportunity to share this message. You have no opportunity to give this good news. You're called to be the church. And when the church is just a building, there's no opportunity to do good. But when the church is a people, like God intended it to be, the opportunity to do good is endless. And there's too many Christians who are hiding in their caves, waiting for a move of God in their life, in their family, in their generation. And what they don't understand, and I want you to hear me on this one, church, what you don't understand is you're the move of God that you're looking for, church. Come on. But the power of God, the move of God that you're seeking requires action on your part. I can't find, if if you can find it, come let me know after the service, but I can't find anywhere in scripture where God moved and there wasn't an action on somebody's part. Everywhere I look in scripture, God said, hey, I'm gonna move, but you gotta first. I'm gonna perform this miracle, but you gotta go first. Elijah took the step of faith. He said, you know, put put water on my sacrifice. Totally unwise decision, But God totally pulled through, right? And people were saved because of it. It says that people uh, worship God afterwards. You have to understand the power of God in you and then get out of the cave that you're comfortable in. Because this is not the time, I'm gonna ask you actually, is this the time when the church, when godly sons and daughters are supposed to hide or are supposed to retreat this time in history? Absolutely not. The world is so desperately in need of you, and you were born for such a time as this. God did not accidentally put you in the year 2020 where all this stuff is happening. He meant to. You were born for this specific time in history. Amen? 
Um, I didn't share a whole lot about myself, but um, I'm going to really quickly. So I went to uh, South Dakota State University. I've been there, uh, I was just finished in May. I was there for three years getting a bachelor's in business economics. Um, but I was also pursuing a commission into the United States Air Force. So uh, I commissioned in May. Uh, I'll be going down to Florida in February. And God totally blessed me while I was there. And it's incredible. Um, but one illustration I want to use is about the military uniform. And you can see here, this looks like a backwards flag, right? It's not a backwards flag. It's actually um, the right way, but it's like you're pulling it forward, right? And there's a reason for that. The reason for that is uh, the military will put it on the right shoulder and they'll wear it. And the reason for it is the United States flag, the United States military, goes forward into the battle. It goes forward into the thick of it, bringing freedom and, and goodness, right? Yeah. It does not retreat. Amen. The United States military stands strong and no matter how uh, you know, much opposition there is, they're gonna keep going forward because that's their mission, that's their job. In church, I have news for you this morning. You have a uniform as the church. You have a flag, you have a, a God that you represent. And your uniform, the God that you represent, this is good, okay? <laughs> the God that you represent does not retreat. He keeps going forward. And church, you are called, your mission, Jesus made it very clear, make disciples of all men. Your mission is to go forward in faith, trusting the one who's backing you, and go forward and not retreat. You're not called to retreat, you're called to go forward. You're called to go, get out of your cave and go. Pastor Mike has talked about this coming harvest. And I'm here to tell you, church, it's, not, it's never gonna happen unless you get out and go. It's never going to happen unless you get out of the comfort of your cave and you go. Second Timothy um, puts it this way. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and of a sound mind. That does not sound like a church that's in retreat. Amen? In fact, I would say that sounds like a church that's in power, that knows who their God is, that knows who's backing them and is going forward. When the, church get, or when the world gets darker, the church's job is to get brighter. Amen? And God has called you to go forward in boldness. Um, Edmund Burke, uh, he put it this way. He said, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I'm going to put it this way. The only thing necessary for the prevention of the harvest, the move of God that you're speaking in your life, is for the church, for you Christians, you sons and daughters of the Most High, to do nothing. That's the only thing that's preventing the harvest that you're seeking. The harvest will never come until godly men and women step up and be the move of God that they're looking for. I'm almost done here, church. Uh, this man here, Ravi Zacharias, uh, he probably one of the greatest apologetic theologians uh, of our generation for sure. I would dare to say history. Um, he recently died, I believe in May. Uh, but I'd like to read just a little bit of his obituary and then I'll, I'll close. When Ravi Zacharias was a cricket-loving boy on the streets of India, his mother called him in to meet the local sari seller, turned palm reader. Looking at your future, Ravi Baba, you will not travel far or very much in your life, he declared. That's what the lines on your hands tell me. There's no future for you abroad. By the time a 37-year-old Zacharias preached, 
at the invitation of Billy Graham to the inaugural International Conference for Itinerant Evangelism or Evangelists in Amsterdam in 1983, he was on his way to becoming one of the foremost defenders of Christianity's intellectual credibility. A year later, he ended up founding the Ravi Zacharias International Ministries with a mission of helping the thinker believe and the believer think. In the time between the sorry seller's prediction and the founding of his ministry, Zacharias had immigrated to Canada. He had taken the gospel all across North America. He had prayed with military personnel uh, and prisoners in Vietnam and he had ministered to students in a Cambodia on the brink of collapse. He had also undertaken a global preaching trip as a newly licensed minister with the Christian and Missionary Alliance, along with his wife Margie and their eldest daughter Sarah. This trip started in England, it worked eastwards through Europe, then the Middle East, and it finally finished on the Pacific Rim. All in all, that year, Zacharias preached nearly 600 times in over a dozen countries. No future abroad, though. It was the culmination of a remarkable transformation set in motion when Zacharias, recovering in a Delhi hospital from a suicide attempt at the age of 17, was read the words of Jesus recorded in the Bible by the Apostle John, because I live, you will also live. In response, Zacharias surrendered his life to Christ. He offered up a prayer that if he emerged from the hospital, he would leave no stone unturned in his pursuit of the truth. Once Zacharias found the truth of the gospel, his passion for sharing it burned brightly until the very end. Even as he returned home from the hospital in Texas where he had been undergoing chemotherapy, Zacharias was sharing the hope of Jesus to the three nurses who tucked him into his transport. Church, this man, that life that he lived, is a life that's out of the cave. And the, the thing I learned from, one of the things I learned from his life is that the devil knows your calling better than you do. The devil came to Ravi Zacharias as a young boy and said, you have no future abroad. Imagine if Ravi Zacharias would have stayed in India. We would never have any, I mean, he is probably one of the greatest minds, and the devil knew, and he wanted him to stay in his cave. Church, I'm here to tell you this morning, there's one person or one thing that wants you to stay in your cave, and that's evil. I'm telling you, when you step out of your cave, it might be challenging, but it's going to be so worth it. And you have God inside of you. You have God with you. God is around you, and he's pushing you forward. He's going through it with you. And with God, nothing is possible. And he comes as your defender. He comes to fight for you, church. So let's be a church that gets out of our caves and go to this world. Go to the hurting people and show them the love of God. Amen? Yeah. Samuel, if you would, please, church. There's one other person that I'd like to speak about, uh, and his name was Jesus. And Jesus uh, stepped out of a different cave, a better cave, uh, heaven, 2,000 years ago. And he stepped out of it for you. And he loves you passionately. If you're here this morning uh, and you don't know Jesus, I want to make the opportunity available to you. 
2 Corinthians uh, 5.21. It says this. It says, For God made Christ, who had never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. In fact, my uh, translation, the notes, it says, It made him who hadn't sinned, sin. So that we would be made right with God through Christ. And as God's partners, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. For God says, at just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Elijah, when he was in his cave, he was at the worst moment in his life. And at just the right time, God heard him. Church, today is the day of salvation. There's no better day than today. And at just the right time, God hears you He's with you and he's close to you. So we're going to take the next couple minutes. We're going to pray corporately. But I want to invite you, if you don't know Jesus, today's a great day to start. Amen. So uh, bow your heads, close your eyes, and pray with me if you would. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the the first time, um, first of all, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Uh, I believe we have a link here. Uh, This will get you set up. There we go. This will get you set up with some stuff that will help you grow in your faith if you go to it. I'd encourage you to go to it or get connected. Uh, I'm going to call the prayer team forward as well. Um, These are godly men and women who love you, who love God, um, and who are willing to pray with you. They're trustworthy. I encourage you, if you need prayer here this morning, come up, get prayer, um, and we love you. Uh, And I'll pray, and I'll dismiss you. Father God, I thank you for your church. I thank you that we are a mighty church, Father God, that follows after you wholeheartedly. I thank you that you are calling us out of our cave, Father God. You are calling us out of the comfort and that you are coming to our defense, Father God. I just pray uh, over the people of God. I bless them in the name of Jesus. And I just speak uh, boldness into them. I speak boldness into their lives. I speak courage into them to get out of their cave and go into this world, Father God. God, I thank you that you will preserve us. You have preserved your church. You are not done with your church, Father God. And I bless this church, the mighty name of Jesus.